We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always my co-host Nick Filato. Today we're here to talk a little Giants-Eagles uh, for, you know, preview if you want to call it that at this stage of the season. Where we're at with this team, some thoughts on some topics going around Twitter. Uh, I've seen some, you know, fun tweets that I've interacted with and maybe we can jump off of those. And we're going to give you some prize picks as well, Nick. So let's first start by just your overall feel for uh, the Giants season after kind of, you know, what I would call like the gateway game, the gateway drug game, the Saints game that just didn't pay off. We just, you know, it was one of those bad trips. Um, I actually never uh, I've had. Eh, I'm not going to talk about this on air, but, you know, <laughs> we'll go we'll go we'll go forward with this and we'll just, uh, you know, talk about that game being not what we expected to be, not what we hoped it to be. And then the Giants drive uh, dropped to five and nine. So to me at this point, Nick, um, I have totally turned my page to the 2024 season uh, in a lot of ways. Like I would like to beat Philly because it'd be fun to knock them out. This will be the last these this Philly and the next Philly will be the last games I care about Rams. I'll be honest with the fans right now. I think overall it's a better thing that the Giants lose that game. I'm just going to be straight up honest. I won't I won't beat around the bush there. It doesn't mean I'm going to root against them, Nick, because I just can never get myself to do it when the time comes. But at the end of that day, if the Giants get a bad call in the fourth or whatever, I'll probably just sit there, you know, very, very dejected anyway about what's going on with this team and this season and just be like, all right, good, because I want to try to get to that fifth pick. I want to try to get to that fourth pick overall, personally, for a lot multitude of reasons, not just because of the prospects you can get if you stay at that pick, but potentially for what it costs to move up and it will cost less if you're further up the board. So that's where my head's at now, Nick. I'm fully 2024. Where, where are you at so right now with the season? I guess I could say I'm the same, right? I yeah. would like the Giants to have a higher draft pick, and the Giants have done this to us multiple times this year. Week one, we believe this team. Did they close the gap? Did they close the gap? That was a conversation. And the Giants got beat 40 to nothing in one of the most embarrassing fashions that I could remember against a team that I despise, the Dallas Cowboys. And then they sucked for a while, right? And they had us in the first half, not going to lie, against the uh, Arizona Cardinals in week two. And we're like, okay, you know, maybe the Giants can spark something. They got a tough schedule. And then they lost, lost, lost. And then they beat the Washington football team or whatever the hell they're calling themselves now. And they almost beat the Jets. And they kind of dragged us back in. And then they got annihilated by the Raiders. And now, again, went on this three-game winning streak. Dragged us back in. Maybe we can clinch a wild card. Annihilated again, right? Just embarrassed by the Saints. And at this point, it's just like, let's turn the page to the NFL draft. Hopefully, the New York Giants can still plan for the future. I do. <laughs> at least I would like to see them play spoiler against the Eagles. And I'm like yeah. you. I'm not going to root against the team when the time comes. 
But if they do lose, I won't be as disappointed because there's a nice consolation prize now. It's like, okay, well, we'll move up in the order a little bit more now that we are this close to the end of the 2023 season. Yeah. And, uh, and it's like the, these are the games you want them to win the Cowboys, the Eagles. So you still I'm still OK with them ruining drafts position to, to beat these types of teams personally. But, you know, Rams, not for me. Don't care about that Rams game. Don't want it. Don't care about it. Don't need it. Don't need a random win there. Don't hate to say it, but and it's good if it happens. Good for the guys. You know, they want to win. They're playing hard. They're trying to win. So good for them. Uh, long term, I don't buy into that, though. You know you know how I stand on that one. I, these wins do not translate. Every year to me is a brand new year, new slate, and you got to start right over. You don't carry anything over, in my opinion, momentum-wise. Even we see this with just the Super Bowl teams that lose in the Super Bowl tend to have a hangover year, a bit of a hangover year. It's not happening this year with the Eagles, really, um, though they are kind of now playing bad football compared to where they were at, the Eagles. Um, definitely not playing like a Super Bowl team right now, which I love to see. But, you know, we do typically see besides them, teams having a Super Bowl hangover um, and that not carrying over. We also see some teams go from last to competitive, like the Texans and, and the year before, you know, to who, uh, I'm forgetting who did that the year before. Giants, one of those teams, though, who did it the year before. So not a lot of translation year over year. It's basically a brand new year. I think everyone needs to keep that in mind. So if they end up losing the Rams game, it's not it's not going to be the end of the world. Ultimately, it's probably a better thing for them long term. Yep. There's one thing I would like to see, though, in this Philadelphia Eagles game, if we're going to touch on this matchup specifically, because mm -hmm. the way they were just destroyed the Giants against the Eagles in the divisional round on defense was we're going to attack the second level and you can't do anything. I think they had like one deep pass up the sideline to Devonta Smith in, in the beginning of the game. And then after that, it was just zone read RPO. They used like double mirrored stacks outside the numbers to spread the Giants out. And they just picked on Jalen Smith and they just picked on Gerard Davis. I would like to see that rectified a little bit in sure. this matchup with Micah McFadden and Bobby Okereke. And we know the Eagles are going to have a counterpunch. They can beat the New York Giants throwing deep. They could beat the New York Giants throwing short. They can probably beat the New York Giants with their run game since Jalen Hurts does create those extra gaps because he's such a nuisance to deal with because he's such a great runner of the football. But I would love to see the Giants linebackers give the Eagles a little bit of trouble there so we can say at least that embarrassing reality that we went through in the divisional round is a little bit behind us now because of the addition of 58 and the development of Nick Fadden. Well, I think that should be the expectation, Nick. And I think it's twofold. One, I mean, you could look at the Eagles who have been a lot more successful this season rushing EPA than passing EPA. Their passing EPA is way down. They're having a, a rough passing year, the Eagles, for a multitude of reasons. Some people think the book is maybe out on Jalen Hurts. I've read that. I've heard that. I don't know if you heard uh, Nick Bosa's comments from two weeks ago, Nick, about how I didn't, to play Jalen Hurts. Oh, that was a really interesting interview. So he he said the book was out. I'm going to par. This is a this is a paraphrase of just from my memory of what Nick Bosa's interview was from two weeks ago. So it may be off a little, but the paraphrasing of it, Nick, was we figured out how to stop uh, Jalen Hurts, and we hope the Cowboys watch the tape and follow our blueprint. And our blueprint is this. When you rush the passer, you rush him in a way that you don't let the B gaps get open. He says that in his opinion, this is Nick Bosa's opinion, Jalen Hurts watches the pass rush um, and is looking for the B gaps. You have to make sure you just close those out, rush him in a way where he doesn't have the ability to step up through those B gaps, force him to either have to roll to his right or stay in the pocket and not be able to take those B gaps because he's watching the pass rush. It's eerily similar, by the way, Nick, yeah, to another right. quarterback. I know you're thinking this, who we watch on film, one Daniel Jones, who don't give him the B gap. Don't let him take that. He's probably going to watch the pass rush because that's what he does at this stage of his career and, you know, try to force him to his right. So he's rolling out right, cuts off half the field, and the play is dead. So that's basically what Bosa said the 49ers did to destroy the Eagles. 
Cowboys then came back and beat the Eagles. I didn't watch the tape on that or listen to any of the post game. So I do not know if the Cowboys did something similar or the Seahawks did something similar in this past game that they won against the Eagles. But I would imagine if there are hints of similarities on tape, the Giants are going to see it too. Wink Martindale is going to roll the guys forward and Wink Martindale himself is going to have a similar game plan or, or at least work in some of those same ideas to try to slow down Jalen Hurts, which will be interesting to me if the Giants can do that. The difficult thing about guarding this Eagles offense just in general is Jalen Hurts and how he forced the defense to account for his leg. So if you can find a way to shut that down without mm -hmm. necessarily allocating extra bodies to it so you can remove A.J. Brown as a deep threat, he doesn't have to be in one-on-one -on -one matchups on the outside, Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard, like the way this team can attack defenses is really dangerous. Going through my mind right now, I haven't watched the tape since last year when the Giants were playing the Eagles. Yeah, the B gap was, you know, an issue. Jalen Hurts running is certainly an issue, but it's not even necessarily just the B gap when he drops back. Like they wanted to, they could, they could have picked the Giants apart using sure. the deep passing the game. They did when they, when they attempted to throw the ball. We all remember the fourth and seven where good Julian Love on Monday night football, picking off Jalen Hurts and, and earning the Seattle Seahawks a victory. But when he had the opportunity to do that for the New York Giants on that fourth and seven, he mistimed it against Devonta Smith, as we all remember, which was a little bit unfortunate in week 14. But with the Giants, man, stopping Jalen Hurts and the, the quick passing attack, that was the, like I said a little bit earlier, that was the primary issue. The 49ers that use a lot of four down linemen, True. wide rushers. The Giants are a little bit different, right? When the Giants have those wide rushers, it's a five-man front. So they have a lot mm -hmm. of bodies up there, and they try to clog up those B gaps naturally, which leads to more open space and more voided areas on the football field at the second level, and then especially deep if they are vulnerable. So the Giants, it's a little bit of a different um, construction defensively sure. than the 49ers and the Cowboys. Good point. And then we'll see if that plays a factor as well. I get the feeling, Nick, from my personal opinion on what might happen in this game, that the Giants will be able to get some stops on defense early in this game in the first half. Not every possession, but some possessions, some stops. Okay. Um, and then it'll probably unravel in the second half because it'll be on the field too much. I think that ultimately the Giants need to come with a completely different game plan on offense. I was watching the Rams last night against the Saints on Thursday Night Football, and the announcers kept discussing how the Rams use so much pre-snap motion, which is something the Giants have done a good job of against like teams like Green Bay. And then they didn't do as good a job of last week against the Saints and just kind of try to get those motions and easy solutions for Tommy DeVito. Not as much like I, I appreciate Nick and I like that they gave him like things against the Packers, like those, you know, three level reads and, you know, try to do things more vertically because it's better long term. But for right now, I, I, I think against the Eagles and in general where Tommy's at and his development, let's try to get him some simpler stuff and some get the ball out of your hands in space to a guy in motion one on one. Let him try to win that because, you know, he's just not the, the process like the, the deeper stuff was great when it works, but it's there's no level of consistency right now with it, in my opinion. And the timing from DeVito in the in the any plays that require like timing based routes, Nick, I feel like any of the anything I've seen at break back at the sticks, the ball hasn't really been out there a lot. Like there was a throw Jones made earlier this year that I really appreciated to slate. And I don't remember the game now it was Nick, but it was basically just that it was like a deep curl and the ball was just out before Slayton got out of his break and it hit Slayton. I think I just, the Cardinals game. it might've been just the Cardinals game. Yeah. Um, and I just don't try. I've seen a lot of those routes on tape with DeVito and there's balls just not out there. 
So I don't trust them to start that to start happening. So I'd like to try to get him some some more simpler reads and some you use the pre-snap motion, get a guy coming around. There was a nice, like interesting route the Rams had with Cooper Cup where he motioned all the way from the left side of the formation and orbit motion around the backfield. And they had him like one-on-one kind of against a linebacker on like a wheel type route and they threw it out there to him. Just little things like that. I'd like to see the Giants do. The Giants have used that. They've used that. But like, like it was more of like a it was a set game plan for the Rams. Like it was big part of what they were doing. And it was, you know, I kind of would like that to be the case for the Giants. Like everything be for DeVito, just get the ball out quick. You can make the argument against the Patriots. It was similar to that. Now, it yes, it was. But Wandell Robinson and it didn't work that well in that game. <laughs> Wandell Robinson and the pre-snap motion were a huge yeah. part of that game. And it helped set up Jalen Hyatt for deeper passes. Right. I don't necessarily. Of course, I want the Giants to get the football out of DeVito's hands a little bit quicker with that pass rush. But it doesn't mean you always need to throw it, you know, six yards from the line mm-hmm. of scrimmage. You can still take those deep shots if they're giving them to you. And we know the Eagles and their defense. And I know Jonathan Gannon was their defense coordinator. <laughs> now it's Matt Patricia. Matt yeah. Patricia does like to run a lot of man coverage. So you might see a lot of those man beaters. Remember how Jonathan Gannon played Daniel Jones. Everything was top down, bro. Mm-hmm. It was like, we know those sticks are coming and we're going to be driving aggressively from our quarters looks down onto them. That can set up double moves. And we saw the Giants call double moves against Jonathan Gannon's defense last year. And we saw Isaiah Hodgins open and we saw Darius Slayton open and they were burning James Bradbury. And James Bradbury is not the same cornerback he was with the New York Giants when he made a Pro Bowl in 2020. It's a little bit longer in the tooth, a little bit older. I think the Giants could maybe create an explosive play by baiting the secondary of the Eagles to drive down. Now you're going to need a little bit more time. I think it's imperative that the Giants ensure that they can block this pass rush because Hassan Reddick and Josh Wett have murdered the Giants since they come into the NFL. So the Giants do need to share that up. I'm sure Daniel Bellinger is going to be a huge part of the game plan when he is in six-man protection, helping the tackles out, specifically Tyree Phillips, because hopefully Andrew Thomas can handle his business. But I want the Giants to take those shots when they are there because I want that defense to allow the Giants offense to breathe a little bit if that's possible. Yeah, that's a good point, too. And we'll see if they have the opportunity to do that. They, You're right that they have had those opportunities. I wonder how much of that will change with the Matt Patricia defense. I was just thinking of what yeah. I watched against the Seahawks. It did look considerably different to me from just the broadcast angle. There were some, especially on third downs, there were just some plays that I just wasn't used to the Eagles running on third downs defensively. Uh, a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more. Was it man, man heavy? It was yeah. a lot. It seemed it seemed that way. I mean, I don't have the numbers. We should we should gotcha. look that up. But it seemed definitely more man heavy with Patricia. So we'll see because those shots were open last year against the Eagles. They were double moves. Darius Slayton against I mean, one to Darius Slayton, one to Hodgins. Neither were thrown. Jones didn't process either of them, but they were on tape. And they were open on the vertical plane and they were burned. And Bradbury was burned. Jones's defense. It would need to be like the timing would have had to been like that. One of them. On Evan one Neal. of them, not the first yeah. Eagles game though. On one of them. Yes. That Evan Neal play that he blew up. Yes. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, Big Blue Banter listeners? I'm excited for the football season for several reasons. And one of those reasons is Prize Picks, which is North America's largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform. And it's so simple to use. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including professionals, sharks, and people who are going to exploit you, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections, and you just watch the winnings roll in. It's very simple to play and gives you a little extra skin. I've set my picks in less than 60 seconds. There are so many stats to choose from, and the withdrawals of funds are easy and quick. Dan and I will be adding a segment to our show before every game where we pick our favorite stats, more or less yards or touchdowns, what have you, and we'll be discussing why from a scheme, matchup, and game theory perspective. I love their promotions and how easy their interface is to operate at prize picks. I may select more on tackles for a loss from Bobby Okereke or Kayvon Thibodeau next game. They also do other sports as well. It's a really cool experience. Please join Dan and I in the fun of prize picks. Go to prizepicks.com banter and use code banter for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, go to prizepicks.com banter and use code banter for a first deposit match up to $100. You will not regret it. Make Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. There are few things better in the world than kicking back, watching some football, and biting into some delicious Little Caesars pizza. Order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day on Sunday. And get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Old world pepperoni, pepperoni, extra cheese, Italian sausage, olives, onions, pineapple if you're into that. Put it on half the pie, the entire pie. There are so many other options that I don't have time to name. Slap that on a round crust, a thin crust, a stuffed crust, a Detroit style deep dish. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. Dan, it is gift-giving season, and there is no better gift to give your loved ones, your friends, than an experience, a concert, a comedy show. You like Broadway? Check out a Broadway show. Go see a live sporting event. Maybe go check out the New York Football Giants if you want to. And the best place to get tickets for any of these events is is game time snag the tickets without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use the code banter that's b-a-n-t-e-r for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem the code banter b-a-n-t-e-r for twenty dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed yeah, Nick, you mentioned Tyree Phillips in the right tackle situation. This is one of the you know, more disappointing developments for me, at least. I was really looking to a stretch one where I could have some tape on Evan Neal to evaluate. It's a big, big factor. The Giants really need to be able to evaluate this guy heading into the offseason. And yet, 
you know, there was early speculation this week that Neil might be ready to return for the Seagulls game. And now he's not participating in practice, did not participate on the Thursday injury report with an ankle still. Very unlikely, I would say, that he plays after a DNP on Thursday. Dexter it is a Lawrence, Monday game, though. So this is like a Wednesday. You get an extra. True, true, yeah. true. Yeah, so it'll be good. more telling from today's injury report, but it's not a good sign. True, true. Yeah, good point, though. Um, no Xavier McKinney. That's an illness. I'm sure he'll be fine. Who knows? No Nacho with a knee injury. Uh, we'll see what happens there because saw him Dexter. Ding- I'm sorry. He got dinged up last week, too. He did. And in addition to that, and the Giants have called up some guys, I think they've added some of their practice squad. They, in addition to that, Dexter Lawrence with his hamstring is also not practicing. I, I wouldn't play him in this game if he's, if he's anywhere close to being injured and it could be anything that requires a surgery, but hamstring you can usually get through. So if he, if he wants to play, he plays, um, Lawrence Cager with a groin is not practicing. And then some limited participation for Matt Breida, Carter Coughlin, Ashawn Robinson, Jamie Gillen. Um, and yeah, Brightwell back at practice, Matt Parrott back at practice. So we got that going for us. And the Giants did sign a defensive lineman, Timmy Horn, a former Kansas State Wildcat defensive lineman who was in the 2022 draft. He was a undrafted free agent who spent two years with the Atlanta Falcons, has actually 442 snaps to his name, six pressures, no sacks. He's 323 pounds and six foot four. Not watched any tape on him. But they added him to the practice squad. Maybe he'll get called up if something goes wrong with Dexter Lawrence, which we desperately hope does not happen. Yeah, who knows what's going to happen there. But the Giants do have two major injuries there in the interior, so that could impact our expectations for the run. Or Jordan Riley, man. We do expect them to be okay in this game against the run because of the linebackers, but maybe that expectation might be too high given the situation on the interior defensive line. I guess we'll find out there. Uh, I wanted to also touch on some comments from Wink Martindale about the Giants' performance against the Saints, uh, which is looking more disappointing by the day, by the way, after the Saints got absolutely blown out by the Rams last night. Um, you know, the Giants weren't competitive at all against the Saints. They lost 24 to 6 in a really bad loss. And then the Saints get absolutely blown out by the by the Rams. Not a not a good sign. So the question that they asked Wink Martindale was, what happened against the Saints defensively? And he said. You come out of that game and you hold them under 300 yards offensively. I would have signed up for that right away. I thought we were effective taking away Taysom Hill from them with the Wildcat. I thought he was one carry for minus one and the other was an incomplete pass. I thought we limited Alvin Kamara, which is what we wanted to do. They were just very efficient with the football and they made some plays on third down and in the red zone. In the red zone was on third down as well. But overall, I thought our guys played their tails off. And the four-minute stop we had there at the end of the game shows you the type of players that they are and the teammates they are for each other, that they weren't going to quit until there were zeros left on the clock. With that, I applaud them for that. We're getting ready now for a tough opponent. So what are your thoughts on that, Nick? I know some people on Giants Twitter kind of ran with this quote and were really, you know, taking, taking, you know, pushing some heat on Wink Martindale for basically what sounds like defending his performance against the Saints when a lot of people were very pissed about the Giants defensive performance against the Saints. A lot of people felt like Wink Martindale didn't do a good job from a game calling standpoint, should have called more man, should have called less zone. So what are your thoughts on, on this from Wink? Stopping Taysom Hill. That was a huge part of your game plan, right? Like, I mean, he mentioned it. The guy played 12 snaps. Nine of them were passes. They were not in the wildcat all that often. I think the Giants went into that game plan. Like, look, we're in a hostile environment on the road. We need to shut down the run. 
and the Giants did a pretty good job shutting down Alvin Kamara and shutting down Taysom Hill, but it didn't freaking matter, damn, because they were so efficient passing the football. The football was coming out of their hands so quickly, and the Giants couldn't generate really any pressure. They had three pressures in that game. And this is not a performance to applaud. I get that you held them to 300 or less than 300 yards or whatever, but it didn't freaking matter because the Giants or the Giants couldn't stop anything. They didn't even have Chris Olave, who is the catalyst right. to that offense. So, man, it, yeah, it's um, it's not something to applaud, Wink Martindale. But, hey, man, I get it. Then this guy could be on the chopping block. He needs to stick up for himself. And the Giants defense did shut down the run. If that was your primary goal, then congratulations, you did it. But you didn't really do anything against the pass. Yeah, I, you know, I think you're, you're spot on with this, Nick. I think there is some, va some, some merit to, you know, holding a team to 300, 300 yards and still losing in the sense and still losing by 24 to six in the sense of like, yeah, we hold them under 300. What more do you want us to do? But you kind of outlined all the things more we wanted them to do, Nick. We wanted them to be more efficient, stopping the pass, more efficient on third down, better in the red zone and just less helpless looking on defense. Right. Get them to punt a few more times in a game. The Saints being so there were things we still wanted more from the defense a lot more. So I don't think he is right in the sense of like you shouldn't be too excited or happy about it but i think he's right in the sense that like i am happy that my boys fought in that in that final four minute you know drill that or you know the final possession because we're down 24 to 6 our offense has given us nothing and that leads me to my greater point nick which is what i said on twitter about this which is this is kind of what it sounds like to me if you're coaching one side of the ball the other side can't even call a normal game plan with a drop back pass game. They're 31st in offense. They never stay on the field. They don't score any points. You're never, ever, ever playing with a big lead on defense. Never. Your pass rush never has a chance to do anything fun ever because you never have had a whole lead, a big lead the entire year. Like at some point, it breaks the what to me. It's like at some point this breaks. Like how long can you go carrying a whole unit like that on one side of the ball? And I know it's not carrying in the sense that the defense has been elite and the offense has been horrible. But the defense has been pretty damn good, and they've been trying their ass off, and they've helped them almost beat Buffalo. They basically won the they won the Patriots, they won the Packers team, they won all those games. Really, there were some big time throws occasionally from Tyrod and Devito, but for the most part, those games were won by defense. And like at some point, there's like to me, it's like there's only so much you can take. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think there's a little bit of frustration in that. I'll say this. Most of the games this year with the Giants defense, if you look at the stats, it's like, oh, man, they didn't play it all that well. A lot of those games, it was the offense's fault. Yeah. Now, the offense sucked in this game, right? The offense has sucked this entire season. There's no secret there. But this wasn't necessarily a game where I was like, hey, look, the defense, you guys tried out there, but you didn't get it done. It's more on the offense. Yes, this is a game. It's a collective game. These two units, they work interchangeably, but I do blame a lot of the defense too here. Like, it's like, dude, they yeah. were 50% on third down and they were wildly efficient and you couldn't stop them. You couldn't get after car. You couldn't really do anything like this yeah. one is more on the defense, not than the offense, but more on the defense than those other games previously yes. in the year where the offense just sucked so bad in the third quarter, everything crumbled because the Giants already played like 50 plays in the first half Giants defense. That is. That's the take. That's the right take. You know, still not more than the offense, but more so on the than the offense in other games. And so the events definitely played a may, way bigger role in them losing than they typically do. So, you know, I can see that that's the question for him. And in his response, it's like, 
I'm still frustrated. Like in his mind, he's probably like, yeah, he can reason with himself and wink and say, I agree with what Nick just said. That was very logically, that was very logical, Nick. And you, you put that together well, but it's like in his head, I'm sure the frustrations built to such a like, it's mounting, it's mounting, it's mounting. Like, yeah, we had a bad game, but what? But give us a damn break. Like, yeah. how much can you expect of a, of a unit that is on the field the entire game? Wink Martindale is a coordinator for a good football team. Like, his defense prides himself at getting after the quarterback. You right. can't get after the quarterback for only half of the game every week because your offense does suck so bad without frustration boiling up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, it. That, that's exactly it. And so... That's where we're at. We'll see where this ends as far as Wink Martindale. Will he be the Giants defensive coordinator next year? Will he be back? I know some conspiracy theorist type, uh, and I'm, I'm only doing this as a joke, but I had a, a listener DM me in and, and suggest that maybe this last game against the Saints was uh, <laughs> Wink like throwing it to Dable and being like, oh, you wanted me to run more zone early in the year? You wanted me to like, you wanted to get in on my meetings. You wanted to give me, tell me how to run my defense. Oh, you should be running zone here. Here's what it looks like when we run zone. This is what it looks like with the, you, with the personnel we have. Here's what our zone looks like. You want me to ever do this again? Like, eh, it's funny. I doubt that happened. I don't think that happens in the NFL, but it's a, it's a good a conspiracy theory, but it is interesting because the Giants played a lot more zone than people expected them to against Carr, and they didn't really you know, play the man blitz-heavy game, fully blitz-heavy game plan you expected against a quarterback like Carr. Um, so it's something to consider. Uh, I doubt it happened, but you know, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes between Brian Dable and Wake Martindale right now, Nick, and it might not be good. It seems the good Gi on the surface, but it might not be. Yeah, the Giants blitzed Carr 47%. Now, their average on the season is around like the 40 range. I think mm -hmm. they tried to do it a lot early. And a lot of these were zone blitzes. It's just Carr was wildly dialed in. Yeah. And, you know, what are you going to do when a quarterback is clicking on all cylinders and you just can't get after him? I don't have the man percentages in front of me, but uh, I did see just on zone going off of, you know, what, what I saw a lot more zone covered when I did expect yep. man, but I don't have the percentages in front of me. Yeah. And I think, I think the percentages back those up, but. You know, we'll see what happens moving forward with the Giants, with Wink Martindale and Brian Dable. I, I have no idea where that one's going to end, Nick. I have no idea what's going to happen in this offseason in general. Like, the Giants are typically a team under John Mara as owner, at least in my fanhood, that fan pressure plays a role in the decisions. I 100% fully believe that that's the case. And there's plenty of examples of that throughout my lifetime that back that up. But in one of those regards, Nick, has been with coaching fires and with scapegoats. Like, Fan pressure has led to a lot of assistant coaches getting fired. In my personal opinion for the Giants, it's not the only factor. Like part of it is you're running a football team and everyone needs blood. When you have a bad season, there has to be some kind of blood. So the fans, yeah. Yeah. maybe that is for the fans. I don't know exactly who that's for. It's for a lot of people, I think. For the people who still maintain their jobs to kind of give them a little push. Like, hey, look, if you don't start to perform better, this could happen to you next. You could get chopped. But there is does always tend to be some blood. So. I personally would be stunned if that scapegoat is not Bobby Johnson this offseason. Just absolutely stunned at this point. If they go back into the next year with Bobby Johnson as offensive line coach, like that's going to lead to an absolute disaster with the fan base. Uh, so. There's been some coaches in the past that Mara has been uniquely loyal to. Well, that's true, too. There goes the other way as well. Tom yeah. Quinn has been getting Tom Quinn is the guy who, for a yeah. decade plus by the fan base and just ne never let yeah. him go. They finally let him go. Um, and then I think my dad over, used to say the funny, oh, every shit dad hates Tom, Tom Quinn. Quinn. Every yeah. dad hates Tom yeah. Quinn over the age of 50 hates Tom Quinn with a passion, yeah. with a dying passion because guess what? fans under 30 or under 35, like us also hate Tom Quinn with a dying passion. 
Nah, I can't say I hate him with a dying passion, but I, I understand where you're coming when from. When he was on the team, I hated him with a dying passion. When he was our special teams coordinator, of course I hated him. Who wouldn't hate him when he was not dying passion? But, you know, I hated him when he was a special teams coordinator for the Giants, and I stand by that. My father was convinced that everyone. John... <laughs> I know you're going to. My father was. Photos. Yeah, yeah. He was convinced that Tom Quinn had some naked photos of, of John Mayer, some incriminating photos of yes. John Mayer. Everyone is too convinced of that. The John, <laughs> the John Mayer. Every time, anytime a coach is here for a while and their unit is not doing a good job, Nick, it always defaults to what does he have on John Mayer? <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. What does he have on John? Poor John Mayer, right? Yeah. Yeah, poor, I know. Poor, he gets uh, poor owner of the of New York ways. Giants. Yeah. No, no, oh, but I'm poor a billionaire. billionaire. Yeah, right. Poor billionaire. <laughs> When I was working with the Rangers, I saw John Mara and his family at a nice. game one time. They were sitting in like not a suite. They were sitting in oh, it was good seats, but they weren't sitting in like the big suite. Not like, and I could tell he was like walking through. He the has that walk. I see that walk. I know. And, that exact and I could walk. see like people like being like, "Is that John Mara? <laughs> like, what are they doing among us common people?" Yeah, <laughs> I would have thought the same thing. What is he doing among us common people? I never. I've been to the Giants building a few times. I during twenty eighteen uh, and twenty. 2016 and 2018 when I was covering them for 24-7 sports, I was credentialed for some games and training camp. I uh, also took a tour of the building once. So I never got a chance to meet John Mara, though, which is disappointing because I always kind of wanted to or at least see. Not meet. I'm sure there would be no opportunity for me to a simpleton to meet him. But I would love to have just seen him in person. I just I love seeing all the Giants characters in person. I did see Dave Gettleman, though, once when I was covering the Giants uh, commanders game in 2019, Jones's first season as quarterback. Uh, I was covering the game in the press box and I walked at halftime. I walked by to the bathroom and I Gettleman came out of the bathroom when I was going in. So I had nothing to say then, even though yeah, I didn't like him at that point. Either. Even though I in 2019, I didn't like him. He, I knew he was trash. Even then I was, I was so, it was so obvious. His process from the start was horrific. So there's like no denying it. We needed the time to prove it to most of the fan base, but I didn't say anything. I would never say anything anyway, by the way, Nick, to anyone like that. Even if it's an no, athlete no, that I that, that was bad for the Giants or whatever. I'm not that kind of guy. If anything, I would have been overly – I would have been nice to Gettleman and tried to, like, be like, oh, yeah, like, uh, good job, buddy. Uh, you uh, you tried. You tried hard to, to make this team better in your own mind. I've worked in sports for, for quite a while. So I've, like, run into general managers and, and players and stuff. And it's not a flex, but I have uh, one little funny story that – um. Our mutual friend Christian, him and I, one time we went out into Morristown. We went to Jockey Hollow, and this was on a Saturday, right? And it was after a 29 to 22 Jets loss. We saw in the corner of like the rich part of Jockey Hollow, like we were all downstairs because I had like a buddy who was playing there. He's a musician. No. But we went upstairs to the bar to get drinks because it was less crowded. I guess that's where all the upscale bougie people are. <laughs> we saw in the corner of the bar, Mike McCagnan the former Jets general manager wow. sitting there by himself eating a steak after a oh, loss, knowing he was about to get fired. And, oh, and I looked so at sad. Christian and I was like, yo, bro, that's Mikey Mack right there. And <laughs> right by Florham Park where the Jets training facility yeah. is. And he was just like sitting there, like, you know, just like kind of like bobbing his head, like shaking it, like cutting into a staff. I was like, dude, this poor bastard, man. Oh, man, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> just knew it, you know, he knew you know. it. Yeah, you knew it. All right, let's do some prize picks and wrap this up, Nick. Do you have your picks ready? Yeah, I have my picks ready. Okay, so let's, let's let them rip. Okay, let them rip. Prize picks for this week. I have Bobby O'Karake more than eight and a half tackles or assisted mm. tackles. Bobby O'Karake has been an absolute stud for the New York Giants, has over 120 tackles already this year. And I think this one is a, if he stays healthy, a lock for me. And I have Dallas Goddard more than 24 and a half receiving yards and Jalen Carter more than 0.25 sacks. 
You could go with Hassan Reddick there if you want to throw him in there. That's fine too. I'm a donkey. I always go with more. I think it's fun. <laughs> and uh, if you can flex play it, flex play it because I'm a coward. Nah, you got to go with the power play. That means you got to get all three correct. And if you hit all three, you get 5x. You go with the flex play. You're looking at 2.25x if you hit all three. That ain't the kind of thing I'm looking for. The math doesn't math on that one, as I like to say. So I go for it all, Nick. And I start my stack off with Bobby Okarage more than eight and a half tackles and assists. I, ha I had to copy you on this one because it's just too damn good. I mean, there's no way I don't see him making this. He's played. He's one of the only players in the NFL who's played every single defensive snap this year. So he's on the field for every snap. The Eagles are going to run the ball a lot. The Eagles could have a big lead, and they don't take off their starters, the Giants, when they're when they're getting blown out. So eight and a half tackles and assists combined. That's beautiful right there. That's money. So that's an easy one. I wanted to do Saquon something I've leaned on in the past, Nick, which is Saquon Barkley less than 0.5 or uh, rushing or receiving touchdown. Uh, but they took that off the board. So. Clearly that one's been cashed and been, been doing well or whatever's going on there. So I went with less than 14 and a half rush attempts for Saquon Barkley, just not expecting the Giants to be in that kind of game script where they're able to stay with the run. Uh, and then less than 27 and a half rushing yards for Tommy DeVito. Um, I just don't feel like the Eagles are the style of defense. that's going to, you know, be good for what Tommy DeVito, like if they run more man, maybe, but I just doesn't feel like a game with this D line where DeVito is going to have a big rushing game. So those are, that's my prize picks, Nick. That's what I'm going with this week. I brought up this picture of Brian Dable for the YouTube audience. Like Brian Dable right here looks like Yukon Cornelius, right? I don't even know who that is. You don't know who Yukon? Oh, dude, no. I've made this reference like two or three times on the podcast. Oh, in the past. Went right, right over, right over head. the head. You went right Yukon over Cornelius. my Every time you did that, you went right yeah. over my head. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer. Yukon what? Cornelius. Like Brian Dable looks just like UConn Cornelius. Oh, there he is. Uh, yeah, he kind of looks like this dude. <laughs> and, and, this, and this picture is a, is a good representation of it. And for whatever reason, on this podcast at the end of the week here on Friday, I wanted to highlight that. There you go. Now I know what that reference means. It won't go right over my head. All right. Thank you, everybody listening in, tuning in, sticking with us. Big Blue Banter podcast. More to come. Off season on the way. Draft, free agency, all the fun stuff, all the time of the year to actually get excited about this franchise. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.